Welcome to the Jesus Movement Podcast, presented by Awaken the Dawn. We host conversations so you can hear stories from across the movement, receive fresh biblical insights, and gain practical tools to experience more of Jesus's presence in your life, ministry, and city, because we believe Jesus changes everything. Everyone, welcome to today's podcast episode. I'm your host, Matthew Lilly. We are so excited to have you with us today and our special guest, Jeremy Duggins, who is part of the Awaken the Dawn team. If you guys want to experience more of God's presence in your life, then stay tuned for this episode. We believe that it's so important that we center our lives around the presence of God. And that has to do with so much more than just church or a prayer room or an event. This is about what starts from the inside and flows out. And Jeremy really carries some amazing insight and revelation on how to live our lives and build our lives and build our influence and our leadership around the presence of God. And so that's what we're going to take the next bit of time here and talk about the presence of God centering everything we are around Jesus himself, because we do believe here at ATD that Jesus changes everything. So Jeremy, welcome to the podcast today. Hey, Matthew. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It's been uh been a little bit. Last time, me, you, and Alan had a great conversation around family, and that was yeah. just such a fun time. So I'm excited to be back with you, especially talking about this topic, which I'm super passionate about. Yeah. Change my life, and I believe it has the potential to change so many hearts and lives and how we lead, how we serve, how we build. So thanks for having me on. I'm excited to dive in. Yeah, totally. We will link to that episode with Alan Hood in the description of this one because that was such a good time, such an amazing episode, yeah, and it's time. worth going back and listening to again, or for the first time if you missed it. So, hey, before we dive in too much into the content here, Jeremy, for those who don't know you, just give a quick introduction, who you are, what you do, a little bit about your family and your ministry. Yeah, I live in Fredericksburg, Virginia, and I lead Awaken the Dawn's local base here. It's called Revive. So a church, a school, revived school and prayer room here in Fredericksburg, Virginia. My wife, Erica, and I are the senior leaders here, and we are just loving it. It's the best. We're in love with our community and what God's doing here. Uh, I was born and raised in Virginia. Uh, I've never left. Uh, The Lord's just not let me. Uh, He's called me here. And honestly, I love this city. I love what God's doing here. I do have uh, my, my amazing wife, Erica. We've been married going on 15 years. She's incredible. She's the best. Awesome. I really, I wish she was here with me because she's cooler than me. (laughs) We have four amazing kids from 12 all the way down to one. Faith, my oldest daughter, Ella, uh, second daughter, Jace, my son is seven, and Judah. We we decided to start over again, Matthew, and have one more. So we got Judah. He's one year year old. And uh, so our hands are full. But uh, we're we're loving life, loving this season of life. So yeah, that's a little bit about us. Yeah. Well, uh, we've had a couple little side conversations at times. You and I, you know, I, I wrote a book, David's Tabernacle, about how God's presence changes everything. The book is amazing, by the way. Yeah, Everybody should you. read that. <laughs> yeah, it's incredible. It really is. Well, you know, in the book, I'm, I'm mostly talking about, you know, our corporate gathering around the presence of God. I'm talking about as ministries, as churches, as the the body of Christ, you know, prioritizing his presence together. One of the things I love that 
you carry, Jeremy, and and maybe you can springboard off this and just just begin to share with us from your heart. But you know, how can God's presence be a part of our lives, not just at a tent or at a church or in a prayer room? Yeah. But what about the rest of our lives, which for most of us is most of our lives? How can yeah. God's manifest presence be a part of all of our lives? So maybe we could start there. Yeah. Monday morning, how do we center our lives around God's presence and experience more of Him? Yeah, that's man, that's a great question and something I'm super passionate about. You know, it's funny, Matthew, I joke that I think I'm the only one at Awaken the Dawn that doesn't play music or sing. Right. But because of that, I remember like years ago being like, Lord, why am I not a worship leader? I'm hanging out with all these, all these worshipers. And I felt the Lord correct me and say, no, you are a worship leader. Worship is so much more. Living a present-centered lifestyle is so much more than singing and music, which is a, a, an awesome component of it, right? But how do our lives become worship? How do we host the presence of God in everyday moments, even in the mundane? of life, which honestly, Matthew, as you know, most of life is the mundane moments, you know, mm -hmm. we love those pinnacle moments in the tent, you know, we're going to Tampa in a few weeks and I'm like already excited. Uh, we've had some incredible, powerful moments in the presence of God underneath the tent or uh, our corporate gatherings on Sundays, these past four or five weeks have been incredible. I mean, just to see God move, but I'm equally as passionate about the quiet moments in the secret place or those moments with our children in our home. And so I'm just, uh, it's all worship if we posture our hearts in that way. And so for me, Matthew, before I was in ministry, I was in the fire department for 10 years. I have a, a little bit of an unusual path to ministry. And I remember we used to have to get to the firehouse really early in the morning, like four in the morning. And, and so those first hours, we got a chance to check our truck out and our equipment and get ready for the day, but then we could do whatever we wanted. And so I'd try to spend a lot of those morning hours praying. And I remember one morning I was just praying for revival in Fredericksburg, for revival in America. And just, you know, like we do, right? We're contending for this. We just feel God's heart for revival in our nation, in our city. And so I was leaning into that a little bit. And yeah. the Lord just spoke these five words to my heart that have now kind of become a blueprint for, for me personally and even our community here. And the five words were heart, home, church, city, nation. Mm. And the Lord began to show me how this was his heart for revival. This was actually his heart to build each of these areas around his presence. And then he showed me in the life of David how each of these different areas was, was modeled in the life of David. And so I want to start with the first one because it relates to your question of uh, the heart. Yeah. And here's the truth. Revival starts in the heart. You know, Amen. revival starts in the heart. Every single revival that's ever taken place in America or anywhere else has started in the heart of a man or woman. You know, you mm -hmm. think about Charles Finney or, you know, John Wesley, you know, these, these men and many, many women as well had encounters with God and their heart started to burn for Jesus. And it was from that place of encounter. It was from that place of encountering the presence of Jesus that their hearts began to burn. And then they, it overflowed into their community, into their city, and ultimately into the nation and in the nations. And so sometimes 
you know, we find ourselves like I did that morning in the firehouse, praying for revival in America, praying for revival in, in the city. And the Lord began to show me like, Jeremy, revival starts in the heart. Yes. And before we can see a city saved or a nation saved, we need to be burning for Jesus in the Come secret on. place when nobody's watching, just like King David. You know, David, before you know, he brings the ark to the city and the nation, before he does any of that, he had this dream. He said, I had it in my heart to build God a house. It was That's a good. dream in his heart long before it was a reality. We also know this verse that has changed my life. And I know Matthew to you is really important as well as Psalm 27, four. You know, mm. David said, this one thing I desire, the thing I seek the most is to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfection, meditating in his temple. So David, you know, he's out in the field, not on a stage, not under a tent, not in a church. He's in a field learning to develop this lifestyle of worship when nobody's watching, being faithful in the mundane moments of life. And it was in that field that he developed not just a passion for the big moments of worship, but a lifestyle of worship. But it's because David wasn't sitting around like many of us in our culture are uh, dreaming about their assignment or getting more influence or getting more following on social media. You know, David wasn't like Simba sitting in that field going, you know, I just can't wait to be king. <laughs> you know, he's not out there. He's not out there like, I can't wait to be king and to have influence and authority. That wasn't his heart. His heart was Psalm 27, 4. And by the way, you guys know why I don't sing now. Uh, but his heart <laughs> was, was Psalm 27, 4. His heart, his dream was to live for one thing, to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of his life. That was his greatest desire. And from that desire to live a lifestyle of passion for the presence of God, a dream was birthed. You know, he said, I had it in my heart to build God a house. His dream was an overflow from his greatest desire to be in the presence of God. He said, you know what? If I'm going to be in the presence of God, I'm going to build God a house where his presence will dwell and I'm going to remain in there all the days of my life. And mm. I just want to encourage us as we lean into revival, as we lean into what I believe is going to be another awakening in America, but it starts in the heart. It starts yeah. with you and my passion for the presence of God when nobody's watching in the secret place where God's developing our character so that our character can actually sustain the calling of God on our life. And it's when we're faithful in the small moments, when we're worshiping in the moments when nobody's watching, that's when the Lord will come find his David and anoint them because he knows that we will have the character to sustain the calling he has for us so our calling doesn't crush us under the mm. weight. And that's what's happened many times, Matthew. As you know, revivals have yeah. come and gone with no sustainability. And many, many incredible men and women of God have not finished well because they were so focused on the big moments and there was no sustainability in the secret place. And they lost intimacy with the Lord and the second yeah. we get disconnected from intimacy with God, it's the beginning of the end. We still have the anointing. We still move in signs and wonders sometimes. There's, we can still pull off an amazing event. But Jesus is after intimacy. He's after our heart. That's why he picked David. He was a man after his heart. And, and I just want to encourage all of our, all of our listeners uh, today, Matthew, to, yes, pray for revival in America. Yes, lean into that. But, 
But let's ask some honest questions. Am, is my heart on fire for Jesus? Am I in a place of Come intimacy on. with Jesus? I ask our community and our students it this way. I say, if the culture of your heart was multiplied to every human being in America, would that equal revival in America? Wow. <laughs> and I know that's a great I know question. That's a, I, know, I know that's a bit intense. And, and, and I just want to say this. All of us, definitely including myself, have so much room to grow in this area. So this isn't a, I don't say that to make us feel bad about our relationship with Jesus or anything, but I do think, I do think it's a, it's an important question. You know, sometimes it's easier to focus out there than it is to focus in here. And the Mm -hmm. kingdom of God is an inside out kingdom. You know, it's like he wants to find men and women whose hearts are burning with hunger and humility and, and kingdom values, and then he will come find them and oftentimes lift them up and promote them in due season. And so anyways, that's the heart. That's a quick thought on that. No, that's so good. I mean, we could probably do a whole episode on this because it's such an oh, important man. thing. I would love to. You know, just just cultivating intimacy with God. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think of so many verses, John 15, Jesus talking about oh, abide yeah. in me and then you'll bear much fruit, you know, apart from me, yeah. you can do nothing. And you can try to, you know, have a great home, have a good church, have a, you know, impact your city. But the reality is if we're not abiding in Jesus, that if it doesn't start in our hearts, if our hearts aren't connected to his, like you said, what we are multiplying, what we are impacting is actually not going to have any long-term yeah. fruit for the kingdom of God because it's not from him. It's just from from us and our own efforts. And uh, it's got to start in our heart and then flow out from there. Yeah. I think it's important to remember in a, in a generation that's obsessed with influence, number one, impact comes from intimacy, right? Yeah. All fruit comes from abiding. So if we haven't learned to abide, we we can't make disciples of Jesus. We're making disciples of ourselves because his life and his character isn't inside of us. And so what we want to do is from a place of intimacy, then we're positioned to make impact. From a place of anointing, we're able to have influence. And so I just want to encourage this generation, desire intimacy more than influence. Oftentimes, if you get the intimacy with Jesus, if you prioritize that like David, if you make that your one thing, I tell our community this, if you live for one thing, you get everything. You get everything. Mm-hmm. Everything you, you and I need, Matthew, is in that one thing. That's why Jesus himself tells Mary, you know, he says, Martha, Martha, you're worried and anxious over all these things. There's only one thing worth being concerned about, and Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. I believe that was one of the most powerful statements that ever came out of Jesus' mouth. Essentially, Jesus is saying, if you live for this one thing, if you sit at my feet, if you honor my presence, sit at my feet, allow my word to wash over you, that's all you need to live for. And from that place, sometimes people say, well, you know, we can't sit in our closet and pray all day. I'm I'm not saying that. I'm saying if you learn to abide, if you're with Jesus long enough, he's going to give you an assignment because he cares about the lost. He cares about yeah. the world. He cares about the assignment, but he wants us to do it from affirmation and from intimacy, not for affirmation. And that's, that's a big difference. You know, everything people are doing, they're either doing for affirmation or from affirmation. And those two paths take you to two entirely different places in life. And so 
Jesus himself, before he launched out into his assignment or his ministry, the voice of the Father, before he does a single miracle, before he raises anybody from the dead, before he walks on water, very intentionally, the Father, before he launches his ministry, comes down from heaven and says, you are my son, and I'm well pleased with you. Before he does anything, and, and what, what the Father wanted him to know is, you're not, you're not going to do ministry for my affirmation. You're going to do it from my affirmation. And that's what launched him and catapulted him out in the Father's blessing to do the incredible things that the Father had in store for him to do. So, Yeah, so good. Jesus didn't have any influence at that point. He didn't. He, Correct. Nobody knew yeah. who he was. Yeah, yeah. He had just been doing the normal, mundane 30 years of being with his family carpentry, we assume, you know, just working a job, being a part of a community, being a part of a family, had no yeah. leadership or influence or anything and no great resume that he could bring. And yet that's when the moment when the father says, I'm pleased with yeah. you now before you've yeah. seemingly done anything great. Yes. And that that's why, you know, I, I don't want to shift this into identity, but, you know, at, at Revive <laughs> School, one of the primary things we teach our students is identity. Like yeah. identity was the foundation of Jesus' ministry. It was mm. as soon as he heard that voice of the father calling him son that launched him out to do ministry. And so I just think that lifestyle of worship, that pasture season that we talked about, Matthew, that's where identity is developed. That's where you have to know the father loves me and sees me and affirms me, not because of what I'm doing or how, how I'm moving in ministry. He mm. just loves me for me. And that's where we're cultivating our love and passion for him. It's this beautiful adventure of intimacy that he's taking yeah. us on. And so, yeah. yeah. Well, they're so, they're so connected, aren't they? Because like, yeah, like this, the secret place, that's where we get our sense of identity. It's in that place where we are who we really are. We're vulnerable before God. Our hearts are open. We we're not trying to prove anything and we still experience his love and his affirmation and his joy over our lives. And it's also what keeps us in the secret places because we realize, you know, we come to him as his sons and daughters and uh, we have nothing to prove. And we're not feeling that tug to have to go out and prove ourselves and get, gain the influence. We go, oh, I want to go to go to my father. I want to go to the secret place. Yeah. And we're like Jesus said, you know, if we go to the secret place, the father will reward us. We'll get our reward yeah. you know, one way or another. If we try to perform before men. Then we get that reward too, which is actually, you know, not satisfying uh, to true. our hearts at all. That's what happened with David. You know, again, back to David, he had yeah. cultivated this secret place history with God. So when it came time to fight Goliath, I love that moment because everybody else is paralyzed by fear, the fear of man, the fear of failure, all the things the enemy tries to keep us back with. David shows up and he's so confident in who God made him to be because mm. he had spent years hearing the voice of the Lord speak over him. And remember, David's own father rejected him. His brothers rejected him. I mean, he wasn't even he wasn't even a consideration to be king. Imagine how much rejection that carried. But he somehow had this cultivated this intimacy with God yeah. that was stronger than even his own earthly father's affirmation. And so when it comes time of course, he st Saul says, put on my armor. He puts it on, and I love what he says. He says, I can't run in this. It doesn't fit. He strips it off, 
and he goes back to what he has had success with in the secret place. He goes back to a sling and stones, which is crazy. It's, it's ridiculous to think you're going to defeat a giant with a sling and a stone, but it's not crazy when you have history with God with it. Because there's a whole generation right now, Matthew, wearing Saul's armor. They're trying to be somebody they were never born to be because they've never spent time in the secret place allowing God to tell them who they really are. So they find their favorite preacher or mentor or person. They put on their armor. If they were honest, they would say, this doesn't fit. I can't run. I don't feel free. I don't feel confident. I don't feel secure. I don't feel like who God called me to be. And I think what I'm asking is, hey, let's take off Saul's armor. Let's go back to what God has shown us in the secret place, who we are and the weapons of our warfare and the things God's called us to do. Let's stop comparing Mm -hmm. to everybody else. And let's just be who God called us to be. And then David, of course, runs towards Goliath. There's a courage and a confidence that comes from knowing what God said about you, knowing who he's called you to be. And it was in the greatest battle of his life that the Lord actually used that to accelerate him into his assignment. That, that was a defining moment in his life. He never would have fought him if he didn't have years and years of history with God in the secret place. Yeah, so good. Hey, I'd love to get practical for just a moment. I know we still got home church city nation. We're still on the heart. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but it's so no, good. This is great. But, you know, it's one thing to say, hey, you need to develop a relationship with God. Go to the secret place. Just try to make it as practical as you can for us. I mean, maybe even you could share a little bit about what it's like for you, some of your sure. routines or habits or or rhythms or or whatever that may be. But for someone who goes, how do I start? What should I do? What are some tips? I want to know Jesus, but I don't kind of know where to start. Flip the Bible open to a random place and start reading. How do we do this? I'm so glad you asked that because, you know, sometimes I think we talk so spiritually. Um, right. People are just like, I just want to know what to do. Um, I remember many years of even, even some of my great mentors, like hearing like seeing their fruit, but always wondering, like, how did you get there? Right. So I love being, I love being practical. And so here's what I would say when it comes to the secret place, there's three things I want people to think about. Uh, Number one, create space. Number two, create a place. And number three, create a plan. Okay. And Mm. so space, when I say space, I mean, create space in your life. We are addicted to busy and it's costing us intimacy. So many of us don't even feel valuable unless we're doing something or accomplishing something. And so we fill our schedules. When you ask people how they're doing these days, what do they say? I'm good. I'm just so busy. But what's really happening is we're addicted to busy and we're afraid of silence. We're afraid of stillness because giving time in the secret place is one of the most greatest acts of warfare because what we're saying is God me spending time with you and not being productive is going to accomplish way more than me trying to go about my day and my own strength. So number one, create space in your life. Actually set time aside to spend time with Jesus. Create space in your calendar. Wake up early, stay up late. I know my wife's a, a mother and she's got four children, so every season looks different. But Attention, pastors and ministry leaders. We want to invite you to an ATD Leadership Summit in Salt Lake City, Utah, July 26th through the 28th. This ATD Leadership Summit is for leaders from across America 
that carry a shared value of hosting the presence of God through day and night worship and prayer and gospel proclamation. Our Awaken the Dawn team will be hosting the event, including David Bradshaw, Matthew Lilly, and David Valier. When you join us for this summit, you will experience real and refreshing connection with like-hearted leaders in an informal, fun, and relational environment, including four free meals together. Teaching and training sessions catered to pioneering presence-centered ministry leaders, spirit-filled and life-giving times of worship, prophetic ministry, and prayer to refresh your heart, interactive breakout sessions and workshops to dialogue about practical ministry challenges, and a regional worship and prayer gathering the weekend after the summit. To learn more and register, go to awakenthedawn.com today. Again, join us for the ATD Leadership Summit in Salt Lake City, July 26th through the 28th. Register now at awakenthedawn.com. We can't wait to see you there. You know what? You know what I've been watching her do? She's been waking up early because she's realized if I will give this time to Jesus before my kids get up, my whole day is better. And so she's waking up. And and I'm telling you, I've seen her come alive. You think if I give up this sleep, I'm going to be more tired. But Matthew, you know how this works. When you feel intimate with Jesus, you are energized. You are, you are ready to go. And so number one, create space. That's why Moses would go away from the camp and pitch the tent. And he creates space between work, between life and him and God. He would go out of camp. The presence of the Lord would come down and people would actually stand at the doorways of their house and watch. Um, and by the way, as a parenting tip, I just want to say this. Your children need to see you in the secret place. I love when my kids wake up and they know where I'm at, you know, not all mornings, but, but a lot of mornings they know dad's not doing anything else until he's spent time with Jesus. So we're, we're discipling just by what we're doing. And so number one space, number two, a place, this is where it gets really practical. I think everybody should have a place that they spend time with Jesus every day. And, and I know we're all in different seasons and positions. I happen in this season to be able to have a whole room that, that I just kind of dedicate to the Lord. And this is, this is my space. I also use it for multiple things like this podcast right now. And so, (laughs) so we got to do what we got to do, but, but you know, anything, a chair in your closet, whatever you can do. Uh, Some people just want to go out to their cars to get a moment of quiet or whatever. I just think, and, and I would invest in this. Like, Again, getting more practical, make it as nice as you possibly can. We'll spend more on coffee sometimes than we will on get yourself a nice Bible, get your, make your room comfortable, mm. you know, make it somewhere you love to be and just have that place you meet with God every day. And then lastly, a plan. I love following the spirit. I love being open to that. But I've just seen where I like practical things like making a prayer list. Um, having a Bible reading plan. You know, I have a prayer list. I try to have a Bible reading plan. Now, we don't necessarily always stick to the plan. If we feel the Lord moving or wanting us to really hone in on this one thing on our prayer list or wanting us to meditate on this one scripture and not move on, that's awesome. But I find that sometimes people just don't have a plan, so they do nothing. So have a plan, have a Bible reading plan, make yourself a nice worship playlist with songs that move your heart towards Jesus. Um, Have a Bible reading plan. So those are a couple practical things, Matthew. So good. Super helpful. Totally agree with with all of that. I think that's going to really help some people. So we're talking about experiencing the presence of God in our heart, cultivating that intimacy with Jesus in the secret place. 
You said there were five different levels that God gave you, heart, home, church, city, nation, different ways we can experience and host the presence of God. Do you want to take some time and talk about some of those other ones as well? Yeah, well, let's, we'll just see how far we get, but let's just move on to the home because yeah. this is really important, I think, for the moment that we're in. I do too. Um, yeah. You know, the truth is that we can't want to see revival in America. We can't want to see revival in the nations at the expense of our families. Yeah. We've all seen so many families sacrificed on the altar of ministry, and I do not think that's the heart of God. Amen. I think the revival that's in God's heart is a multi-generational family revival that doesn't stop. And, and I just think in this blueprint in the life of David that the Lord showed me, you remember where David becomes king. The first major decision he makes is to bring the ark to the center of the city, which, by the way, is the greatest decision from a politician I've ever seen in my entire life. In fact, <laughs> I want to encourage our listeners, anything that you want to build in your life, your marriage, your family, uh, your ministry, your business, it should be built on the word of God and around the presence of God. Mm -hmm. God's word is our foundation. His presence should be our culture and our passion. And so David knew mm -hmm. this. David knew in order for this nation to succeed and prosper, the presence of God has to be at the center. And so he says, bring the ark to the center of the city. We kind of know the story. They start to bring it. And then there's an accident because the instructions were not followed correctly, which I hate to say it this way, but it's in some ways comforting to know that even somebody like David had to learn how to build, had, had to make mistakes, he, you know, like we yeah. do. So there's just grace in this process of, you know, some parents out there are like, I've messed up too bad. I, you know, I don't feel the presence of God in my home. I feel chaos. <laughs> um, and I want to encourage us, let's start today. Let's start today. And so obviously the ark is coming into the, the city but then there's this accident. We know that Uzziah, I just want to read this, 2 Samuel 6, 11, 12. It says there's this accident, Uzziah dies, and then the, they move the ark into a home. Uh, it says this, 2 Samuel 6, 11, and the ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, three months, and the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all of his household. And it was told to King David, the Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. Now, I personally feel like this was a divine detour almost. I, I, I right. don't think it was the Lord's heart for anybody to lose their life. I, you know, I, I don't think any of that, but I do wonder here if in the blueprint of, of God and the blueprint of heaven, if he's trying to show us before you bring the ark to the center of a city or before you experience revival in a nation, I want to revive the home. I yeah. want homes I love that. To be filled with my presence. I want the ark to be at the center of the home. And we know this was the will of God because Obed-Edom's whole house was blessed. It prospered. It did well. And, and I wonder if one of the keys to our families experiencing God's presence, experiencing the culture of heaven in our home, is actually prioritizing the presence of God in our homes. Once our hearts are on fire, we now need to take it into our homes. Before we're building 24-7 houses of prayer and 24-7 houses of worship and churches and ministries, we got to ask ourselves, are we building that culture in our home? Amen. Is our house a house of worship? Is our house a place where we're making disciples and our children? Does that make sense? And so, so I just think this was a divine detour. And I think it's in God's heart in this moment for us to begin to do ministry 
from a place of healthy, vibrant, present-centered families. I just think that Jesus is like, yes, you know, don't, don't go out and be doing all these amazing ministry things. I mean, even Billy Graham, I mean, those three things, he said, if I could go back, I would have spent more time in God's word. And then the, the second one was, I would have spent more time at home with my family and said no to more speaking engagements. Yeah. Now, Billy Graham, I have the utmost honor and respect for. He's deeply impacted my life. But I also want to learn the wisdom that he shared with us right before he, he passed on. And so I'm just out here going, hey, yes, revival to America. Yes, revival in our cities. Yes, I want to build a presence-centered ministry where the presence of God dwells and people's lives are transformed and people encounter Jesus, but not at the expense of my family. And I want to build a home filled with the presence of God so my family can go with me. My family can help build with me. Yeah, that's so interesting. Billy Graham, he says, I wish I'd given more more time to the heart and more time to the home. Because obviously he was home, impacting yeah. churches, cities, and nations. But he goes, oh man, I should have should have put a little bit more time in those into those other things. Almost anybody at the end of their life that loves Jesus is going to say something similar to that, aren't they? They're not going to say, Very I true. wish I had wish I had gone to more conferences, you know, they're going to say, nope. wish I'd spent more time with Jesus and with the people, you know, my family, the ones that I love. Yeah. And, uh, I, I think about there's, there's this little verse, you know, where Paul is giving, I think it's Timothy, the instructions of appointing elders in the church. And one of the things yeah. he says in there is he says, if they can't manage their household, well, how can they manage yeah. the church? Well, if they can't lead the home. Yeah. How can they lead their church? And uh, I think it just shows the priority of God, the priority of Christianity to say, hey, start with those that are closest to you. <laughs> if your heart, yeah. if you keep your heart burning, keep you and your spouse, if you guys can walk with Jesus together, encourage one another, help each other, pray together, and then begin to disciple your children. Uh, like you said, be a house of prayer in your home. Honestly, yeah. in some ways, that's harder you yeah. know, than it is in, because it's so close. It's so personal. It's all That's the it. time. It's when you wake up, when you go to bed, you know, it's constant and it kind of cuts through the potential for kind of, you know, the show and the performance or the religiosity that can come with ministry sometimes where you're, you got yeah. on a platform and you have a few minutes to speak or to lead worship or whatever, and you can kind yeah. of put your best face forward. But man, when you're with your wife and your kids and, and those you live with, they know who you really are. And and if you can learn to live it and live it together with those that are closest to you, then you've created this environment that can, like you said, can overflow out to your church community, to your city, to your nation. Yeah, no, that's so good. And I think we just underestimate how important this is to the heart of God. Mm. You know, and I, I just felt in my heart to say this, Matthew. Uh, I feel like just speaking to some parents that maybe Maybe you feel like you haven't done a great job in this area, which I don't think any of us feel like we're we're absolutely uh, crushing it in this area. Matthew, would right. you agree? I don't think totally. any of us are hitting grand slams. Yeah. I, and I just felt in my heart to say this, no matter where you're at right now, and no matter where your children are at, some of you might have children that, that are far from God or, or whatever. Number one, I want to say this, God is a perfect father and even his children wander off. Even his children have moments of rebellion. That's you and me, right? Yeah. So, so don't let the current condition of your home be a reflection of who you are and how you parent it. Mm. And, and start right now. I, I'm telling you right now, 
if you will commit to your house becoming a presence-centered house, a house of prayer, um, I'm telling you, God can do a lot in a short amount of time. And just watch and see. It's never too late. It's never too late. And it's also never too early. If you're single and you're going, I don't have a house, trust me, do this. Make wherever you're at a dwelling place for the presence Mm -hmm. of God. Uh, And so anyways, Matthew, I just felt in my heart to say that, that no matter where anybody's at, start now and God can bring so much redemption and reconciliation and healing. And, uh, and it's never too late for that. So, yeah, totally. That's so good. Yeah. It could be very challenging, but just doing what you can (laughs) really, really makes a difference and God breathes on it. I mean, I, I'm a worship leader and I always say like, if you can lead kids in worship, you can lead anybody in worship. You know, it's kind of like, if you, if you can explain a Bible concept or a Bible story to a kid, you can probably explain it to anybody. Yeah. Some of, some of the most important leaders in the world right now are stay at home moms, our, our mothers and fathers are, you know, my wife has stepped up, you know, Eric and I have taken over being senior leaders of the local base here and my wife stepped up and she's leading the children's ministry, which treasures in heaven. Like I was yeah. not expecting her to say yes to that, but she sees the value in the next generation. She, she understands like this is one of the most significant ministries we could ever have is raising our children and the next generation and the values of the presence of God. And so uh, I just want to encourage parents like, the Lord is sees you. It's not about stages and influence. It's about being faithful. It's about being mm-hmm. faithful with the assignment and the season the Lord has you in. And uh, I just want to encourage you, no matter where you're at, be faithful to cultivate these values. And uh, and the Lord sees you. And it, thank you because uh, mm. you know my wife is my hero. I I, I jokingly say maybe God will let me like clean your dishes in heaven, you know? And I I actually really mean that because, you know, oftentimes I'm traveling and speaking and on stages and these things. And I just know in my heart that when it comes to ministry, my wife, she's a real hero to the heart of God. And so anyways, I just wanted to encourage those that, that are in that season of life. Yeah, totally agree. Moms, you are heroes (laughs) for sure. Amen. Yeah. yeah. You have no idea the impact you're having like at times. So, well, Jeremy, I kind of feel like just focusing this episode on the heart and the home has just been, it's just been very, very beautiful. I mean, I feel like a lot of our other episodes, we're talking about ministries and and movements and and sort of this big picture stuff. But I feel like, you know, just taking today and really zeroing in on where it really starts, that the priority, first things first, is our own relationship with the Lord and then then our, our family and our homes. And then knowing that out of the overflow of that, it's gonna it's gonna ripple into to church, city, nation. So I don't know, yeah. man. I feel like maybe maybe we could kind of tie a bow there, unless you want to kind of touch briefly on those other three. But I feel really good about this. I agree with you as well. I w- I would just maybe close with with one other thought that's in line with what we've talked about so far, and that's um, once our homes, once we have healthy families and marriages and and we carry that into the church. Now we have an amazing church community that the city is going to look at and go, what is happening there? You know, we've got, we got marriages that are lasting. We got children honoring their parents. Like creation isn't groaning for more uh, churches. Creation isn't growing for better preachers or better worship leaders. Creation is groaning for the sons and daughters of God to be revealed. They're groaning for family. They're groaning for family. And so I just want to say, 
if if we fix the family issue, when we start having Jesus-centered, healthy families, then that solves almost all the issues we're facing today. When God revives the family unit, God's going to revive the nation. And so I just want to emphasize that. And then lastly, I would say this, we've got to learn how to pass the baton of revival to the next generation. Um, and right. David does this so amazingly well with, with Solomon. And so we can, we can maybe talk about that in a later episode, but I just, I think it's so important to function and operate in that spirit of Elijah and turn our hearts to the next generation so that revival doesn't come and go, but it is sustained through the generations. You know, David, of course, had it in his heart to build God a house. And we know at first Nathan says, do what's in your heart. But then he comes back and he says, you know, the Lord said, he's so moved that you would have it in your heart to build him a house, but it's not going to be you that does it. It's going to be your son. And, you know, in that moment, I just can't imagine how David felt, you know, the dream of his heart. I like it. We, we kind of are like, oh, it, it was so exciting for him. But the truth is it was hard say, hey, it's not going to be you that does it. It's going to be your son. And so David has a choice to make. And I think it's one of the most uh, important choices of his lifetime. Is he going to let his dream to build God a house die with him? Or is he going to pass the baton to the next generation? And we know how it happens right at the end. He stands Solomon up in front of everybody. He says, son, I had it in my heart to build you a house, but God has chosen you. I've written down the blueprints. I've collected the resources. I have gone as far as God will possibly let me go, but I am passing the baton of revival to the next generation. I'm giving you everything that God gave me. And in that moment, David says, son, my dream is going to become your destiny. And he passes the baton to the next generation. And I would just close by saying, it's so important that we take all the things that God's put inside of us and we, we figure out how do we pass this on and cheer on the next generation in these values. So, Come on. Amen. Totally agree with that. It's awesome, Jeremy. Hey, on that same note, one of the ways I know that you personally are discipling the next generation and ATD is trying to pour into the next generation is you leave Revive School there at the base yeah. in Fredericksburg, Virginia helped found the school and start start the school. So I wanted to give you a few minutes here at the end of the podcast anyway, just to to share about Revive School, kind of what the Lord's doing there. I know it's it's the fall, a new semester's just started and all that, but we want to make sure people are aware of what's happening there at the school. Thank you, man. No, Revive School, it's, we're, we just started our third year. And so we're going into our third year of Revive. We have uh, students from all across America. We've got students from 10 different states this year from the West Coast all the way down to the East Coast. And so, you know, it's just the best. I love discipling the next generation. <laughs> it's just so much fun. God has sent us the most amazing students. And so, you know, at Revive School, we have kind of a couple things that we're really focused on doing. Number one, we want to create a, a culture of encounter, encountering God's presence. I believe as people encounter the presence of Jesus, they will uncover their kingdom identity. They'll discover their purpose. And then we want to equip this generation to impact the world for Jesus. And so everything we do, like I told you in the mm. beginning of the podcast, we're, we're really building the school around the presence of God. You know, every single day we're in the prayer room seeking Jesus. Every, every single day we're creating space for people to encounter the presence of God. And it's been amazing to see how much transformation these students are experiencing in just seven or eight months. 
And the second thing we focus on is identity. I believe that once you know who God is and you see him rightly, he begins to show you who you are. You know, that moment where Jesus asked the disciples, you know, who do you say that I am? And Peter, in one of his finer moments, says, you're the Christ, you're the son of the living God. And Jesus responds by saying, that's right. Only the father could have revealed that to you. And now I call you Peter. And on this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. I just believe that when we get a revelation of who Jesus is, he gives us a revelation of who we are. And once we know who Jesus is, and once we know who we are, there is no limit to how much God can do through you. There is no limit to how far God will take you. Mm. And so we focus on intimacy with Jesus. We focus on identity, and then we really equip. And then the other fun thing is we take the students out to awaken the dawn events across the nation. We're taking the whole school uh, to Tampa here in a few weeks. and so. They're not just going to get to learn about ministry, but they will be the ministry team in Tampa. And so we're, we're just equipping them to step out and, and actually move in these kingdom values. So it's a lot of fun. So thanks for, uh, thanks for asking, Matthew. Yeah. Yeah. So we just want to encourage anybody that's tuning in. If you, you know, are able to take a year off and go to Fredericksburg and be a part of the school, or if you have a, you know, young adult who's part of your home or part of your church community that would be, would benefit from an environment like that. I think it's so great for any, any young adult to take a year off, get some training, be in an environment of the presence of God where, where you can just hear, hear from God, encounter him in community and, uh, and then, then get some clarity on where to go next in your life. I think it's so valuable. And so we want to encourage you guys to check that out. We'll, we'll include the link in the description for revive school as well. Jeremy, this has been awesome. Do you have a moment to pray for us? To yes, close out I here? do. I, Sure. I'd love to pray. And I just wanted to thank you, Matthew. You're just an incredible leader. Uh, you're a friend of mine and I'm grateful for that, but I just, I really truly value your, your heart for the presence of God. I love going to 10 events and watching you just, it's like you're in your place, man. You're, you're there. The presence (laughs) of God is there. And, uh, I just, I just wanted to say thank you, not just for the opportunity to be on the podcast, but thank you for being you uh, you're an incredible leader. I'm so glad that you're in this ministry. And I know that your books, notice I said books, cause you're going to write more. That was prophetic are going to change so many lives. This podcast is impacting people. Your ministry is just really impacting people. So I just want to say thank you, um, for this and, and I'd be happy to close out in prayer. Thank you, Jeremy. So father, I just, I just thank you for everybody listening to this right now. God, I thank you that it is your desire to fill them with your presence right now. God, I thank you that when it comes to the presence of God, we do not have an access problem. We just have an awareness problem. God, I pray right now that you would make us aware of how very close you are. I pray right now that you would give everybody listening to this podcast grace for the secret place. Lord, I pray that even tonight and tomorrow, they would go in their room and shut the door and meet with their heavenly father in the secret place. Lord, I pray that as they seek you in the secret place, Lord, I pray your breath would begin to fill them. Your life would begin to fill them. God, I'm asking you, even in this moment, begin to revive our hearts. Let that breath of life come inside of us and awaken us. God, I pray you would awaken dreams. You would awaken destinies. God, I pray that, that anywhere that there's hope deferred, that even now your spirit would come rushing in and, and release a new hope. God, I pray that, that today would be a new day for so many. I pray regardless of where we messed up or haven't done well in the past, God, I just pray for grace to start new today. And God, I pray 
that we would be carriers of your presence. God, that everywhere that we go, the presence of God would go with us. And so, Father, we just bless everybody listening, and we just thank you for all that you're doing in and through us. And we love you, Jesus. We pray that this podcast would just bring glory and honor to your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. We would love for you to hit follow or subscribe in whatever app you're using so that you can continue to get episodes like this every month. If you enjoyed today's episode, do us a favor and please share it with your friends and post it on social media. Be sure to tag Awaken the Dawn in your post so that we can reshare that with all of our friends as well. If you're tuning in on Apple, please leave us a rating or review. And if you're on YouTube, give us that thumbs up like button and leave us a comment and let us know what you thought of today's episode. And we really appreciate it. Finally, please visit our website at awakenthedawn.com. You can find out more about our ministry and movement, and you can also make a donation to help support this podcast and the Awaken the Dawn ministry. Thank you again for tuning in today, and don't forget, Jesus changes everything.